You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I like me some keys. I like me some lobster. Put them all together. Oh, beer-battered lobster. Ah! I'm going absolutely crazy with the thought of what we could eat at the stadium in Halifax. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hook. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. No Brazilian tie this week. It is just me being your chauffeur for the final week of the CFL regular season. Reminding you, Two and Out Live will be uh, in Edmonton at the Grey Cup, Thursday, November 22nd. We're doing it in the afternoon. It starts at 3.30, so you know, once we're done, about 4.30, CFL awards start at 6. You'll be able to go to those if you've got tickets. You'll be able to go to Spirit of Edmonton and do whatever you want for Grey Cup Thursday night. So tickets are on sale. They're 10 bucks. All proceeds going towards CFL fans fight cancer. They're raising money for Wellspring Edmonton this year. And I uh, got a tweet from Janine, who actually has been a, a co-host on this show before. She hosts the Mouchoir podcast out of Ottawa, covering those first place Red Blacks. And she bought four tickets to 2 and Out Live. So thanks to her for her support. We're excited to see her at the show. And hey, maybe if her Red Blacks are in the game... We'll have her on stage. We also got tweets from the Grey Cup Society asking if Brazilian Thai will bring the Montreal swear jar to tune out live to donate to CFL fans fight cancer. Might need a forklift to carry that Montreal swear jar by now. We might have to do the official count. I don't know. Is there somebody out there that <laughs> has the official tally of uh, dissing the Montreal Alouettes this season? I got to see how many episodes we've done. So we've done two a week. There are 21 weeks. That's 42. Oh, man. And if we average, say, five disses a week or an episode, that's 210 disses to the Montreal Alouettes. (laughs) I almost eat that amount in Halloween candy in one night, man. you got to go for the peanut butter cups, by the way. Also, Fake Gainer says he's going to show up and throw some uh, sticks of butter at Brazilian Thai. He might like that. But apparently, Ty did not eat butter. It was margarine. I don't know about you. That makes it worse, man. A spoonful of margarine. Like, at least a spoonful of butter you can scoop and, you know, deep fry. You know, put it on potatoes, put it on toast. I mean, you could do that with margarine. But who eats deep fried margarine? Nobody. <laughs> We get your tickets for Two and Out Live at twoandoutlive.eventbrite.ca. We're going to have a ton of fun at the Grey Cup in Edmonton. In the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out Podcast. All right, going to have a bit of a different format to the show this week because the games really mean nothing. There is one game that uh, has an effect on the standings. That's the last game of the week between the Calgary Stampeders and the BC Lions. So going through things a little bit differently this time around because 
really, previewing these games might be impossible. We don't know who's going to be playing where, who's going to be doing what. So let, let's go through some of the news that has come out this week. Uh, the Canadian Football League actually announced the winners for each team heading into the CFL Awards coming up Grey Cup week on the Thursday, right after 2-and-out live. So the, the teams put out all of their nominees. Uh, I guess we could go team by team. I, I don't want to go name by name because... You know what? There's about 54 names, right around 50 names. Some guys get you know nominated multiple times, so uh, I guess that math doesn't add up. So don't come tweeting me that I did the math wrong. But let's go in alphabetical order here. The BC Lions actually nominated Ty Long for the most outstanding player on their team. So that kind of just shows you, you know, how they've been on offense. And how they've been on defense. They went on a nice little run, you know, the last six or seven games. But Ty Long has been the most consistent player on that team. His punting prowess has been incredible. And, you know, he's able to flip the field for the Lions. But the quarterbacks have been in and out. Uh, Burnham uh, really got off to a slow start. Manny has been hurt. Of course, the running backs, they haven't really... I'm a believer in Jeremiah Johnson, but I don't believe he's been given uh, the chance to really take the rock and run with it, so they bring in Tyrell Sutton. So, I mean, it makes sense. I am a bit surprised on the most outstanding defensive player from BC being Davon Coleman instead of TJ Lee. I just find the TJ Lee a bit more consistent. He's done it over the entire season where Davon Coleman... Uh, and maybe that is more impressive that he's done it in a shorter amount of time because he has been an absolute beast. I mean, over 50 tackles as a defensive tackle. I mean, he's got sacks. He's got interceptions. He has been a fun guy to watch for the Lions this season. In Edmonton, no real surprises. Mike Riley's your most outstanding player. Can't go wrong with that. In Calgary, a bit surprised that Micah Johnson beat out Alex Singleton for most outstanding defensive player, but Singleton gets the most outstanding Canadian, and Bo gets the most outstanding player in Calgary. Um, This is kind of funny, though. Derek Dennis gets the most outstanding offensive lineman nominee from Calgary when in Saskatchewan last year, the guy was basically benched. He got moved to guard because he wasn't, it wasn't working at left tackle. And I mean, he performed better at guard for the riders, but he goes back to Calgary and he's their nominee for most outstanding offensive lineman. So, what is the problem there? <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. And speaking of those rough riders, Willie Jefferson gets the nomination for most outstanding player and most outstanding defensive player. Brett Lowther gets the uh, nomination for the Canadian and special teams in Winnipeg. And I think this is Willie's competition out of the West, man. Adam Big Hill gets the most outstanding player nomination and defensive player. That is what it's going to come down to. Um, where are there other surprises? I mean, Toronto, SJ Green is the MOP. Not often do you see a receiver get that nomination. Trevor Harris for Ottawa. Um, Lewis Ward, rookie and special teams as expected. Uh, Henock Bawamba kind of cleans up in Montreal. He gets the MOP, defensive player, Canadian, while Standback gets special teams and rookie. So I, I guess I could do the predictions here for MOP out of the West. I think it's going to be Adam Big Hill East. I'm actually going to go Trevor Harris. The convincing wins 
that he has had over Hamilton the last few weeks. They swept Saskatchewan. I think it might be Trevor Harris versus Adam Big Hill in the final. And if Big Hill wins MOP, he has to win defensive player. And the same goes the other way for Willie Jefferson. If Willie wins MOP, he's got to win the defensive player as well. So it's probably going to be Jefferson slash Big Hill uh, against Henock Mwamba. MOC, ah, it's hard to go against Sinopoli, but it's going to be Singleton versus Sinopoli there. Offensive lineman, it's always a tough call. Might it might be Joel, Joel Figueroa in BC. Guy's been an absolute monster. That guy's fun to watch. Special teams, well, it's going to be the battle of the kickers, I think. Lewis Ward versus Brett Louther. That will be a fun battle. And uh, outstanding rookie, well... Lewis Ward, Darius Sirocco, Trey Roberson. I think I give the nod to Lewis Ward in that one. So there's those award nominees. The finalists will be announced a little bit closer to Grey Cup, and then we will find out that week. Some news for the Halifax Stadium slash Schooners situation. So they had a vote on whether to proceed with negotiations on a potential stadium. It was unanimous. All 15 city councillors said, hey, let's do this. Let's go forward with this. Now, (laughs) we know how this works. And I I know when we first heard about this, you know, about a year ago, maybe even a little longer than that, that they had the goal of getting on the field in 2020. I, I think we can kiss that dream goodbye. I don't think that's going to happen because the funding is not even you know, decided yet. There is a lot of red tape they have to go through. They, I guess they want to do something called tax increment financing. So basically Halifax would create a TIF district around the stadium and the property taxes from the commercial development planned in that area would pay for the debt financing costs about nine to $10 million annually. Now they tried this in Halifax with another venue not really working out. <laughs> and I have to assume that the taxpayers and everybody in Halifax is looking at what happened in Winnipeg, where basically it was all written off and the Bombers don't have to pay it back. I mean, it worked out. <laughs> the Bombers still have a new place and a nice stadium to play in. I mean, they're not just going to tear it down because it's not paid for. They kind of pulled a fast one over everybody's eyes. And I don't blame the Bombers for it. I really don't at all. But that's just kind of the way it worked out. So they got to figure out the money. I find it, you know, I want to believe it's going to happen. If we look back, I think it was six years between when they said Ottawa was going to get the team back and before they finally started. We might be waiting here 2023 2024. I I really hope not, but everything is heading in the proper direction. It looks like they do have committed owners, and it does look like soon here, as soon as next month, they want to do a season ticket drive in Halifax because they said, you know what? If we have nobody that wants to buy tickets, then what's the point of building a stadium and having a CFL team? So hopefully that goes well. I remember years ago I was at a State of the League address with Randy Ambrosi at the Grey Cup. No, and it was actually before Ambrosi, and I think it actually might have been before Orridge. It was still Mark Cohan 
Because this 10th team thing has been talked about for how long? Well, the the schooners have been talked about since the 80s, and then this 10th team has been talked about, I think, even before Ottawa came back. So <laughs> it's been talked about for quite some time. And he kind of did a survey here. So people across the country, I know you want to see a 10th team. Who would be willing to throw a couple bucks down either for you know some sort of fan wall outside the stadium or season ticket deposits and everybody in the room put their hand up because I I think the Schooners got support across the country. I hope they do have a possible fan pace in town, but man, I would love to go to Halifax for a game. I've never been to the city, uh, but I I think this would be the perfect excuse to go to Halifax and catch some Canadian football. Imagine the food they could have at the stadium. Lobster rolls. Keith's. I know it's an IPA, but suck it up. Get used to it <laughs> and have it. I like me some Keith's. I like me some lobster. Put them all together. Oh, beer battered lobster. Ah, I'm going absolutely crazy with the thought of what we could eat at the stadium in Halifax. So that's moving along. Hopefully we hear before the end of the year uh, even more on the developments for a CFL team there. Now, uh, I guess we can stick with the commissioner. Uh, he ended up making a statement regarding the hit on Zach Kalaros from Odell Willis, who was not suspended but will receive the maximum fine, which is half a game check, by the way, in last weekend's Riders and BC game. And he just basically said, and I quote, I want to acknowledge that our response to the Odell Willis hit on Zach Kalaros this past weekend was clearly inadequate. First of all, the play should have been flagged and a roughing the passer penalty should have been imposed by the on-field officiating crew without Saskatchewan having to use its challenge. He's committed to removing reckless and dangerous play from our game. Uh, The fact that we did not respond adequately is not acceptable to me. So, you know, there's the there's the notes on the statement that Ambrosi made on the Kalaros hit. And mm, on one hand, I don't like admitting <laughs> that we're inadequate. But on the other hand, I kind of admire that. Hey, we made a mistake. We're doing our best to fix this thing. Um, but I don't know how. It's almost like one extreme to the other. Last year, you know, we're we're getting called for roughing the passer when, you know, the guy gets blown on. Now the guy gets smashed in the head and it doesn't get flagged. There's probably somewhere in between here. But I, I just don't understand how somebody watching in a booth in Toronto or wherever couldn't see something and, you know, radio down, get this guy off the field throw the flag, Jones shouldn't have had to throw the challenge flag there. So maybe that's another change that happens in the offseason. They made the change in the middle of the season last year, and people were going absolutely nuts because the challenges were, it was too much. The coaches were challenging a challenge. It was so stupid. But now they get one for the game. And that is it. Jones had to throw it in the first quarter. I mean, it ended up working out for them. They they kind of dominated that game later on in the second half with Willie scoring the touchdowns or at least helping them. So it didn't really matter at the end of the day. But maybe this is something that they're going to, 
you know, revisit in the off season. I, I've heard uh, another idea. People have talked about if you if you challenge when you get it right, you get one back. So essentially, you get two challenges as long as you got the first one right. How about this? You get one challenge per half, and they don't carry over. So if a stupid play happens and it costs you 50 yards in the first quarter, you can throw that challenge flag, and you'll still have one for later in the game. Now, if you don't do it in the first half, then whatever. You don't get two in the second half. I kind of like that, unless the coaches start just challenging you know, stupid ticky-tack plays again, which they have done in the past. But, hey, uh, this commissioner has uh, shown willingness to change, willingness to listen to suggestions, and uh, I think that's a lot more than we can say about the last commissioner. No offense, anyway. (laughs) This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power. They're a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta, and they offer low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. How do you not love that? So they're a smaller company, lower overhead, so they can give you lower prices. I checked out their website, parkpower.ca. they got a calculator there. You can uh, punch in what you're paying for your power now, and then it'll show you, hey, what you'll save by switching to Park Power. And it's so easy to, to switch on there. But they also donate 10% to local charities. So you're supporting multiple organizations in Alberta when you get on with Park Power. You can make the switch today at parkpower.ca. That is parkpower.ca. Join 2 and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Nothing talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. Yeah, I got a tweet last week saying that I have to sit there and remember that that Cavis Reed consequences clip, it's not from a movie. Yeah, it's a real-life post-game conference. It was one of the greatest things I had ever seen, somebody being that mad. I don't know if he's got it under control. I mean, Cavis seems like a nice guy. I've, you know, waved to him on the sidewalk at a Grey Cup and things like that. But, I mean, if he still gets that mad, how mad is he in Montreal? (laughs) Every game! He would just be uh, losing it. Of course, all season we focus on fantasy. We focus on pick them and previewing the games and things like that. But this week, anything could happen. Anyone could be on the field. But it counts. It all counts. I mean, it, it comes down in your league to paying attention maybe on the last week. So I'm in a league where we pay money to play and the top three spots end up getting paid. Uh, I'm not going to catch first, but I'm 28 points out of second. So I got a shot at that. My best chance is to pay attention and just make sure I'm, I've got guys that are going to be playing the entire game. I, <laughs> I know they don't count in the standings, but hey, this you might be able to uh, get to first in your league if you just pay attention for this last week. So the first game, it's Ottawa versus Toronto. They've already said in Ottawa that Trevor Harris, William Powell, Greg Ellingson, Brad Sinopoli, Deontay Spencer, even offensive lineman Sir Vincent Rogers will not be playing in this game. One half will be Danny Collins, and the other half 
half will be Dominic Davis. So the fantasy options in Ottawa are something to really ignore. Um, I mean, if you're going to be sitting seven or eight guys, I I mean, the, the practice roster is only so deep. Your backups are only so deep. So some, some starters are going to have to play at least a little bit. Maybe R.J. Harris is going to be the guy. I mean, <laughs> maybe he's going to be the number one target in this game. But Danny Collins and Dom Davis are throwing to him instead of Trevor Harris. So that is something to consider. On the other hand, maybe the Argos are going to be going with their starters the whole game. And James Franklin will be able to light up the Ottawa Red Blacks. It is totally up to you what you want to do with your team. But uh, I'm going to maybe avoid this one, maybe put James Franklin in there, uh, but I'm going to pick the Argos to win this one as well because, yeah, we got to do pick them as well. This is kind of like picking preseason where it doesn't really matter at the end of things, but, hey, the points still count. On Saturday, there is another triple header where uh, I, I like the triple headers. It, it's a bit of a risk putting a triple header on the last week of the season, though, because a lot of times it's only one or two of the games that really matter in the standings, and it turns out only one of these do matter in the standings and only to one of the teams. I would have liked to see this Winnipeg and Edmonton game be a winner-take-all, but uh, that's how she goes. So I guess we could talk about what's happening with the Edmonton Eskimos. Terry Jones ended up reporting that it looks like the Esks are going to be sticking with Sunderland and Moss as their GM and head coach combination next season. But yesterday, Arash Madani reports that Sunderland has been reaching out to assistants and coordinators across the league to interview for that job. And the Eskimos are a prestigious and proud franchise. So that is a big job to be a head coach in Edmonton. Trying to think what their options would be. Could Jason Moss end up in Montreal? I mean, I, I I think I would take Jason Moss over Mike Sherman. Would you? <laughs> Is that not much of an upgrade? I mean, uh, Moss would be able to do something with that offense. I don't think that is uh, too crazy to suggest. But what would come to Edmonton? I am a, I'm a fan of Noel Thorpe, D.C. in Ottawa, Jamie Elizondo, O.C. in Ottawa. I like him. I like Steinauer in uh Hamilton, but I'm sure he's going to be sticking with Hamilton until they give him the keys to the franchise. So there are some good, good options in uh, the league. And sadly, I, I don't think it's talked about that. That spring league in the States, they might be poaching some of our coaches as well. And there is also the, you know, personnel and coaching cap that the league is putting in for next season too. So there might be a lot of shuffling uh, on the sidelines for CFL teams as we head into next season. Looks like Mike Riley probably expected to play and finish this game. And you know what? I was talking to my wife and I asked her, do you want to go to this game? Your team's not in the playoffs. Weather might not be the best. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And uh, she said, oh, why not? Well, part of the reason that's why I married her. <laughs> but could this be Mike Riley's last game as an Edmonton Eskimo? And if it is, I think he's the kind of guy that will go out on the field 
and let it all out there just to get one more win into <laughs> the win column. Because finishing 500 and missing the playoffs, that doesn't usually happen in the CFL. Now if they lose, they go 8-10, and 10, and yeah, that's probably not a playoff team. But 9-9 nine and nine and missing the playoffs, that does not happen all the time. I'm, I'm beginning to think that maybe no coaches get fired in the offseason because continuity and uh, you know a stable coaching staff is big for a team, and that is the basically the one constant you see with the successful teams uh, in the CFL right now. But if it's his last game and it's an Eskimo, got to go watch that. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Eskimo fans will not be happy if that ends up being the case. As for the Bombers, who knows who they're going to play? Ted Wyman was reporting in practice earlier that uh, Brian Bennett and Chris Strebler were leading the offenses, and then the ones came out, like Matt Nichols, Andrew Harris, to run the offense there as well. So I'm going to expect that maybe the starters are going to see a quarter, maybe a, a half or something like that, but the Bombers don't want to go into Edmonton and get beat up, but they do want to get some rhythm going with their offense as well and not lose that momentum heading into the playoffs. But I I don't think that the big boys are going to be playing all game long. The Eskimos, they could be playing for jobs too. Uh, and that includes Jason Moss. So uh, I don't know if it makes a difference whether he loses or wins this game in the eyes of Brock Sunderland. But uh, there are going to be players there that are going to want a job for next season, and uh, they're going to be giving it their all. The next game is Montreal playing Hamilton. I'm going to take Edmonton to win that game, by the way. And news came out this week that the nature boy, woo, Ric Flair, is going to be heading to the Eastern semifinal. In Hamilton, I find this absolutely incredible. I'm kind of blown away that it's happening, and I am a big Flair fan. I, uh, oh, in 2004, I hurt my back really bad. I herniated some discs. I had some surgery. I had to learn how to walk again and all this stuff. So I was in the hospital for a few weeks, and I actually had tickets for a WWE show in Edmonton. It was, uh, few weeks after WrestleMania 20, I'm in the hospital in Saskatoon, and I actually asked, I said, hey, I got tickets for this wrestling event. Can I get weekend passes to go to Edmonton and go to the show, and we'll come back? And they said, well, you know what? Uh, I think we're going to let you go from the hospital. Uh, you can see your physiotherapist in uh, Lloyd Minster c- to continue uh, with your rehab from this injury. And, oh, Flair was on the card. I remember I got to Edmonton. Uh, my, my parents actually went into the Walmart there with my buddies. They came out with a gift for me. It was the Ric Flair anthology, man. Oh, I, 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 I watched those matches. I watched those promos and I still love them to this day. I mean, the steamboat matches, the dusty roads matches, the t- Terry Funk stuff. Maybe I should start a wrestling podcast, but Ric Flair is going to be in Hamilton with King Kong Mosca. I do like the suggestion of uh, Joe Cap finding a mystery take team partner to take on these two at halftime. 
<laughs> that would be awesome. But I love that the Nature Boy is wearing a CFL jersey. I never would have thought that I would have seen that in my entire life. Um, I think the Ticats should be playing their starters, judging by how they looked against Ottawa in the last game without Brandon Banks. They need to get something going. Otherwise, they're in deep trouble when BC comes to town for the semifinals. So Jeremiah Mazzoli missed Tuesday's practice with a banged-up knee. He might be playing in this one. i got to assume they want him to play in this one. But the injuries just don't seem to stop in Hamilton. Luke Tasker is banged up. They've also got some issues on the defensive line. It's not like Montreal is all that healthy either, and really nobody is in week 21 of the season. Johnny Manziel missed practice on Tuesday with a bruised hand, but he was back in there Wednesday splitting reps with Schiltz and Antonio Pipkin. So we'll we'll see if Manziel gets the whole game. He didn't get the whole game last week, so why would he this week in Hamilton? <sighs> I'm going to find out if Mazzoli's playing. If he's not playing might pick Montreal. <laughs> that sounds so bad coming out of my mouth. But uh, I think I'm probably going to lead towards uh, the, the Tiger Cats in this one over the Alouettes. The last game of the season and of the week is the Calgary Stampeders heading to Vancouver to take on the BC Lions. Now, it, it was kind of quiet at the beginning of the season. This being Wally Buono's final season in the Canadian Football League. But over the last little while, it's kind of become uh, a farewell tour and well-deserved because the stats <laughs> are absolutely insane. I it, It's hard to put into perspective here. But this game on Saturday it is his 450th appearance as a head coach in the CFL. Uh, the playoff game next week will be his 491st appearance overall, including playoffs and Grey Cup in the CFL. He has five Grey Cups, nine appearances, 282 regular season wins. Oh, man. His winning percentage with Calgary was insane. 153 wins, 79 losses, and two ties. He had another 129 wins with the BC Lions. So this career will never be matched, I don't think. And if you include his time as an assistant coach, uh, a director of player personnel, and VP of football operations, 690 career games. It's also bobblehead night in Vancouver. If you're going to the game and you got an extra bobblehead, hit me up. Because <laughs> I would love a Wally Bono bobblehead on my desk. He is the GOAT. And I really don't know. Just, just sit here and think about this. Is there a current coach that you could see coaching in the CFL 400 and some odd games from now? I don't know. I really could O'Shea still be coaching in the CFL 25 years from now. Dave Dickinson. It is absolutely impressive. The career that Wally Buono put together, but Calgary is playing for first place in the West division. They may be the only team playing their starters from front to back, unless the game gets out of hand. 
If Calgary gets up three, four touchdowns, maybe they put into backups. But I got to assume that they would want this game to be, you know, 100% for sure before they take anybody out of it. So my fantasy lineup is probably going to be, you know, 80, 90% Calgary Stampeders. <laughs> because, well, let's face it, they're the team that's got a lot to play for. Uh, Travis Lule was taking reps at practice this week, but Wally says he wants to get Jennings some playing time on Saturday. Uh, Chris Rainey, Micah Awe were both getting reps. They're both banged up. Rainey's got the uh, the hurt ankle right now, but the Lions sort of have options there. Uh, I mean, at linebacker, Solomon Elamimian says he's only about 60%, so I, I think the only hope that Elamimian gets into the lineup is if the Lions make the Grey Cup. Other than that, I, I mean, stranger things have happened, but we're not going to see Elamimian this year. And, and that's the interesting thing about Davon Coleman being the most outstanding defensive player nominee in BC. When's the last time somebody other than Big Hill or Elamimian was in that spot for the Lions? It's been, you know, 10 years. Uh, but even if Chris Rainey doesn't play, they, they've got Jeremiah Johnson. They, they've got horses that they can play. Uh, in that spot if these guys aren't able to go. And will the Lions want to win this game? Wally's last regular season game, his last game in BC, you got to think the players are going to want to win for him. And you know what? After the season, Ed Hervey takes over this team 100%. And I know last year it was... It was, you know, said that it's going to be Hervey's team and uh, Wally's just going to be the coach for this year. But come on. We know that Wally was, you know, talking with Hervey and they were probably making joint decisions here. But next year, it is all Ed Hervey. And there are going to be a number of players on that BC team playing for their jobs too. And it's, it's weird to talk about that when they're a playoff team, but the GM's going to want 100% his guys. And he was able to do that a lot already uh, in this past offseason. But maybe that's something to look forward to. I'm going to pick Calgary. Uh, I, I just don't think that the game really concerns BC all that much. They're going to want to get out of this one with no injuries. and uh, But maybe they, they want to get that offense clicking as well because... Against Saskatchewan, they weren't able to get things going. So, I mean, if BC gets down fast, they'll probably throw the backups in. And if they get up big, they'll throw the backups in as well. I think it's all key to how this game starts to see how Wally's going to handle the roster as it goes on. But uh, I I do want to recommend you to bclionsden.ca. They are a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, just like us. But Brian and Mojo have been covering the Lions for a long, long time. And Brian wrote a blog post about two weeks ago now, bclionsden.ca, click blogs, saying thank you to Wally Buono. And I think it's must-read must stuff. And it just shows how much Wally has done for that organization and the fan base in BC. And uh, I think uh, BC, Calgary, all those organizations were lucky to have a guy like Wally in it. So congrats to him on retirement. And uh, hey, 
As a Ryder fan, I'd like to see him get one more win in the regular season, but <laughs> like I said, I'm going to be picking the Calgary Stampeders. We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Check out the site, albertapodcastnetwork.com, because there are so many different shows. You're going to find something you are interested in. How about WalkCast? Uh, Tim is a journalist, an urbanist, and he talks walkability in cities by walking it. Man, that is that is actually a really cool concept. And I, I'm just thinking about the cities I've been to uh, for Grey Cups and walkability. I mean, there are some nice cities in Canada you can walk around, and there are nice cities in Alberta as well. So check out WalkCast with Tim. I love the I love the concept behind that show. Brazilian Thai will be back next week. Next week, the playoffs will be here. Maybe on Monday's show we'll do kind of a postseason goodbye to the teams not in the playoffs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wave goodbye as they get ready for next season. But, man, I, I love November football so, so much. Give us a, a rating, a review, a subscription on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And buy your tickets for 2 and Out Live, November 22nd at the Grey Cup. 2andoutlive.eventbrite.ca as we raise money for CFL fans fight cancer. Enjoy the last weekend of the season, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.